0: It's time for The Family Feud. It- Raise your hand if you remember watching The Family Feud. I do. I'm Stacey Julian, and this is episode 86 of Exactly Enough Time. From its title, you might think that this is a podcast about productivity. And while I love to get stuff done, exactly enough time is much more about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about choosing to be playful and living with intention, curiosity, and connection. It's about owning what you love. I love surveys and bringing more of whatever that is into your life. I am a life enthusiast and a believer. In this podcast, I tell stories and I invite you to celebrate people, places, and things that make you and your life amazing. So The Family Feud, it's an American television game show where two families compete to name the most popular responses to survey questions in order to win cash and prizes. It has been on television for a really long time. If like me, you watched it when you were young, like back in the 70s, listen to this and see if you remember its most famous host. Here is the star of the family dude, Mr. Richard Dawson! Do you remember why Richard Dawson was so famous? Ick! He kissed all the girls. Every single one of them. Not even kidding you that there is a video on YouTube. It's like eight minutes long and it records every single kiss between Richard Dawson and and a family food contestant for the entire 1980 season. And no, I am not going to link to it in the show notes. Totally used to creep me out. Still kind of (laughs) does. Okay. Well, the good news is that today's episode is not about game shows or kissing. However, if you hang out to the end, I do have some additional interesting facts to share with you. Today's episode is about surveys and responses to surveys. I'm calling it Survey Said because I get to share with you some information, some feedback that I received in response to a survey that I set up at the beginning of my year-long class called 20 and 20. Before we go there, I want to read a most recent iTunes review and then share something that's really pretty special. This five-star review is titled A Plus Podcast. It says, I love Stacy's podcast, it's fun, uplifting and is a bright spot in my week. Always love the inspiration that she shares. Stacy is such a gift to the women of the world. What? <laughs> That's awesome. That is from Team Franks. Thank you. You might remember that I have a goal that before I get to episode 100, I want to have more than 100 really good five-star, let's say, reviews on iTunes. So if you have not yet taken the time to leave me a review and you enjoy what we're creating here together, I invite you to do that for me. And now... A really cool note that I got in the mail. It's a homemade card. It's from Veronica. And she says, Dear Stacy, firstly, your podcast is a joy to listen to. I look forward to every new episode. You have embraced the medium as you do with all things, with ease, humility, fun, and tons of positive energy. That is so nice. Secondly, she says, thank you so much for the story starter kit. I decided to share the gift with my son's girlfriend and as a way to introduce her to scrapbook storytelling. She used the kit to make a keepsake album for my son's birthday and he loves it. Okay, there are so many things that I love about this note. Number one, that she would take the time to send me a personal note, that's amazing. Number two, she took that story starter kit that she got because I played her voice on the show. She took that kit and she paid it forward. That is so awesome. Veronica, thank you for the kind note and thank you for sharing your love and the joy of personal storytelling. Okay, surveys. Why do we love surveys so much? I think because it's fun, right? It's fun to learn what other people who may or may not even be like us, what they think, what they believe, how they do things, what holds them up, what inspires them. I love to create surveys whenever I embark on a big online class like the one that I'm teaching this year because it gives me insights into what each student is bringing to the experience. So. As I already mentioned, today I'm going to share some of the questions I asked at the beginning of this year, and just a handful of responses that are representative of a larger group of students. I have well over 200 responses that I'm I'm drawing from, and I'm excited to share my thoughts about this data. Now, I do not pretend to be an authoritative statistician, okay, but I can with some confidence, share collective aspirations, um, thoughts, goals, perceived obstacles from, I'm guessing, people who are quite a bit like you. People who want to do something with some of their photos, especially this year. People who desire to document life and personal experiences. Now, specifically, my class focuses on project-based stories. So this can for sure include traditional scrapbooks, but not so much the ongoing kind, more the finite start and finish kind. The types of projects completed have been very diverse. Some have worked on theme albums dedicated to travel or hobbies. We've created little mini books about ourselves. We've created albums that are gifts for children and other people we love. I have Also encouraged and taught and completed for myself projects like photo displays in our home, family history notebooks to organize information. Um, Everyone in class is working on their own projects using a workflow that I have designed and have used personally for years. I have also a handful of times invited students to participate in a collective project. So, for example, in May, many of us created a small daily scrapbook called May Every Day that involved this daily effort to take photos and collect memorabilia, and add short lists of things pertaining to everyday life. And we used the Project Life app. So my point being, we have and continue to work on all kinds of creative projects. I just want you to have a sense of this group of women and what we're trying to accomplish before I now share some of the results of this survey. And right off the top, I love to ask about technology because whether you love it or not, it plays a role today, right? When we want to work with photos and tell stories. So 71% of my students are using an iPhone, 17% an Android phone, and Everyone is using some kind of mobile device to take and possibly manipulate, do some organizing, and some storytelling. They're all using some form of technology. There's just about six or seven percent that are doing all of that on a desktop or laptop. But mobile is definitely the reality, which is why in a couple of weeks, I'm going to share an episode with you called Stupid Easy Mobile Workflow. We can all get better at using the devices we carry with us to manage the photos that we are taking. I'm excited for that episode coming up. Okay, now I'm going to share with you three additional questions on my survey and a few of the responses, and this is where it gets good because these are the questions that count, right? These are the ones that elicit responses that I believe you are going to relate to. Question number one, why did you sign up for this course? Why on earth would you invest in a year-long course dedicated to projects? Here are a few of the responses. Number one, I miss interacting with my pictures and telling stories. It's been too long. Seeing my pictures and telling our family stories always makes me happy. Here's another one. I just retired. I now have time to do all those things I've been putting off in life. Only I'm a bit overwhelmed because that list is now really long. Only it's not written down or prioritized. So I'm thinking one day this project is most important, but yesterday it was a different one. I need organization. I need focus. I need new ideas on how to get to, quote unquote, the end status. Here's another response. I want to document more consistently and also with more purpose. And another one. I need, in capital letters, to begin again as my family's storyteller. My three older children have scrapbooks that cover their first three years, and yet my 12-year-old Caboose that came seven years after them only has a few pages. I am missing out on capturing the thoughts and feelings of the moment because I allowed changing life circumstances to tell me I no longer had the time to be creative and to be a storyteller. Are you relating to any of this? Here's another response. I signed up to tell stories and record stories so they don't get lost, to create ways for my kids to connect with those who have gone before and to realize that they too can do hard things and that life ultimately is good. One student answered, I haven't scrapbooked in a couple of years, and I'm eager to resume, especially since my hubby and I will become empty nesters in the fall. After years of life being all about the kids, it's time to reconnect with my hobbies, my spouse, and others. It's definitely a season of changing relationships for me. And here's the final response for this first question. Because you, Stacy, have helped me so much in my scrapbooking journey. Your first book about making scrapbook projects is one I turn to often. I have so many scrapbooking supplies, but I'm disappointed that I don't have more projects completed. I have so many ideas, but I have taken little action on a consistent basis. I see you as my scrapbook coach, thank you. I am a certified life coach who helps people live fulfilled by enjoying God and enjoying themselves. God uses so many different people to help me be the best version of me. You are definitely one of those people he is working through. Thank you, Stacy, for creating this class. Thank you for being a role model that I can follow. You are so amazing in what you create. I know God has things he wants to create through me too. Thank you for helping me. Okay, wow. I share that response in particular, not because she says nice things about me. I mean, that is nice, come on. But because she makes such a great point. Community is so important when we're trying to do important things. And I love how she talks about how God will use different people in our path to help us develop ourselves in different ways. She is a life coach. She is helping people in her unique ways and with her gifts and talents. And she is turning to me and others to develop herself in this facet of life. That is so important, and I'm so grateful to be surrounded by women, so many women who seek this kind of guidance in their lives. It's kind of amazing. Okay, here's another question I posed. What do you most want to accomplish? And here are some responses. Number one, maybe more routines around photos and completion of projects. Number two, I want to learn how to focus in on a project and get it done. Number three, to have fun doing what I love. Number four, I want to learn and consistently use a process that makes it easier for me to create things with my photos and paper crafting supplies, a process that helps me create regularly and helps me finish some key projects that I've wanted to finish for years. Are you recognizing some trends already here? People are not falling out of love with scrapbooking. Scrapbooking, storytelling, memory keeping, it is not dead. People love their families. They recognize that their photos are valuable. They want to do something with them. What they want and what they need is help making the tasks associated with photo management and storytelling. They need help making those tasks a part of their everyday life. These are highly capable and productive women who feel like they lack focus simply because they don't have a plan or a process in place. The next student says, I want the photos off my phone and living in my world. And finally, I want to make creating and storytelling a priority, even if just in small chunks of time, I'm hoping by having projects and deadlines, I'll carve out the time and then that will become a habit and part of my regular routine. And now, here's the third question I'm going to share with you today that I posed to my students back in January. What will be your biggest challenge? What do you think the most common answer is? Can you guess? Is it what you would respond with? On the game show Family Feud, when one of the contestants guesses an answer, a survey response that happens to be the number one response, here's what it sounds like. Number one challenge, as reported in my survey of over 200 responses, is time, lack of time. My biggest challenge is I do not have time, followed by overwhelm, disorganization, lack of motivation, and a tendency towards perfectionism. Here are some specific responses. Number one, too many things going on, and I tend to put myself aside Number two, time management and pulling all the components together. Number three, focusing and making time to work on my projects. I have a tendency to put everyone and everything else first. Number four, going too big and not finishing what I started, followed closely by finding what I need. My scrapbook room is now the house junk room and finding anything is a nightmare Number five, my biggest challenges will be my feelings, overwhelm, fear of failing the class, fear of looking back at projects and thinking I could have done them better if I had waited until I learned something else. Huh, that's a lot of fear for the future I put on myself regarding a hobby I should be enjoying. I guess I'll be working on that this year, half smiley face. Next response, my current state of chaos in my creative space. Organization is seriously lacking. And number seven, I am slow at everything and end up with incomplete projects. Do you know what I learn every single time I conduct a survey? I learn that I am not alone. You listening, you are not alone. These are common aspirations These are common frustrations. But there is a way forward. Of course there is. And it has everything to do with the next three words. Mindset. 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 (laughs) We absolutely create what we think. I cannot stress the importance of positive thoughts, especially around a hobby you love. If you can simply get curious about the fact that when you think scrapbooking, you automatically say, I don't have time, I never have time, I'm so overwhelmed. If you can get curious about that persistent thought and try to begin to replace it with something like, I'm gonna make time this week for my photos. I'm gonna sit down with fill in the blank and look at some of the scrapbooks I've created. I love telling stories so much. Obviously, positive thinking does not make the obstacles go away, but what it does is it creates a different environment in your brain, an opportunity for you to begin to look at individual challenges and come up with solutions. That's what we do as humans. We are innately creative and innately wired to figure things out as long as we don't talk ourselves out of it first. Now, I do have two solutions or productivity hacks, if you will. And the first one takes a look at how we define scrapbooking. Scrapbooking or any other creative pursuit is not an isolated event. It is a spectrum. Picture that with a beginning and an end, a long spectrum of tasks and activity that culminates in you sitting down to pair photos with words and maybe some decorative elements. And it doesn't matter how you do it, whether you use digital tools or you're more of a traditional, tangible, lots of pretty papers and stickers type girl. Okay. What matters is that you view the ultimate goal of sitting down as that culminating event following a spectrum of activity. I'm going to read you something that I wrote in my book, Photo Freedom. It's on page 14. If I say I scrapbooked last night, what visual image pops into your head? I bet you're picturing me in the act of assembling a page, right? You probably see me with a sheet or two of cardstock and a stack of photos in front of me with my paper trimmer and lots of fun, colorful accents nearby. If so... You could be buying into a common misconception about this hobby of ours, one that I need to address before we can move on. You see, the term scrapbooking does not just refer to the assembly of pages. Scrapbooking actually describes an ongoing, multi-dimensional spectrum of activities that begins with an awareness of your life followed by a desire to photograph and record some of your day-to-day experiences, ultimately resulting in scrapbook albums that are overflowing with colorful, perspective-laden layouts, each of which contribute in some small way to the story of your life and heritage. Wow, that was a mouthful. When you stop to think about all the preparation and effort that goes into even one scrapbook page, it's no wonder so many of us have worn thin the excuse, I don't have time. While I'd be the first to line up and add more hours to my day, it truly isn't more time that I need. What I need, what we all need, is to step back and take a big picture look at the variety of activities that make up scrapbooking. Then we can discover doable ways of incorporating these activities into our daily lives in small chunks of time. Think about it this way. When you're ordering prints online, you're scrapbooking. When you stop to write down something your child says or to tuck a receipt or a wrapper into that special pocket in your purse... You're scrapbooking. When you stop and sketch something in the grocery store or start a collection of paint swatches or call grandma for her secret to smooth gravy, you're placing value on the things that make up a great scrapbook. So first of all, recognize so much of what you do every single day of your life as part of the process and give yourself credit for it second is to begin to think very specifically so while you're doing whatever it is you do driving cleaning doing laundry instead of thinking about in general scrapbooking i want you to start thinking specifically about the next page or next project you want to work on pick anything and start to define it in your mind so that you can begin to isolate individual steps or tasks that need to be done to move that particular project forward. The trick is to be and think specifically. Scrapbook is not specific enough. You cannot write scrapbook in your planner and expect your brain to know what to do next. So if you are setting aside time to be creative with your photos, I want you to, instead of writing scrapbook, I want you to write, start a page about summer highlights. That is better. And then I want you to write the very first thing that needs to happen in order for you to be there on time and ready to go. You need to locate and print five summer highlight photos. That could be your first task. You have time to do that. That takes 15 minutes. And once you take that first step, there's just a little bit of energy that is harvested. It's like a deposit of motivation in your brain bank account because you do something like that and then you think, hey, that was fun. I can total the next thing I need to do, hey, why don't I run downstairs and pull three pieces of paper that I think would be fun to use on this particular page? And before you know it, in very small pockets of time that you have every single day, you are preparing, laying the groundwork for that hour that you have set aside to actually stop and slow down and be present and create. Now I think it's fun to have two or three or maybe even four or five projects in process all the time because when one stalls and it will invariably stall, you'll come up against right, a very specific obstacle, you can then switch gears. If you have projects, and that can be as simple as a scrapbook page, if you have it defined, if you know what you're trying to create, then when you come up against a little bump, you can switch gears to the next project, and you can look at the next task that you have defined. And most of these forward-moving tasks truly take 5, 10, or 15 minutes. I'm not even kidding when I say that the vast majority of what I accomplish is tackled 15 minutes at a time now this is where i'm going to switch to my next productivity hack there is need for what i like to call deep focused work in 30 minute chunks in a one hour or two hour block of time that is scheduled on your calendar i have been a long time fan of todd henry he's one of my mentors he has a podcast he's written books I love what he says about time. Time not set aside on your calendar will always be negotiable. You matter. Your well-being matters, which means the things you love to do matter. So start putting them on your calendar. Don't expect yourself to just discover an empty day with five hours waiting to be filled. Instead, at the beginning of a week, schedule two or three blocks of time where you will focus on specific work. And I love the word work because we take work seriously. We work for other people. We work at a job. We work to keep our homes and our families running and healthy we deserve to work on things that matter to us so when you set aside time on your calendar you put down your phone and if you don't put down your phone and your friend sends you a message and says hey can i stop by real quick you say actually i'm working right now can you come by after 1 pm today it sounds crazy i know but guess what it's a solution So if you're working and you get a phone call or text from your child who says they forgot their lunch, can you bring it to them? You say, oh honey, sweetheart, I wish I could, but I'm working right now. And two things will happen. It will be less likely the next day that your child will forget their lunch. And number two, you will model behavior for that child or person that is extremely healthy. You will show them what it looks like to follow through on a commitment, not just a commitment to another person, but to a commitment you set for yourself. Okay, friends and fellow storytelling enthusiasts, those are my two pieces of advice for you today. View what you are trying to accomplish as a spectrum of activity and get really specific about what it is you want to create next. Break that very specific definition down into some tasks that you can weave into the busyness of your day. And schedule, start scheduling time for yourself, time to focus on deep work. To move forward the projects that are important to you. Do you want to know why Richard Dawson kissed all those women on Family Feud? Do you want to know how that practice began? There was a contestant, a woman, that was feeling particularly anxious, nervous. She needed to come up with a green vegetable that would align with one of the survey responses. And she just couldn't think of anything He leaned over and told her, I'm going to do for you something that my mother used to do for me. And he gave her a kiss on the cheek. And she blurted out asparagus, which happened to be one of the most popular responses on the survey. So I'm going to leave you with this idea of a kiss. And yes, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the acronym KISS. Keep it super simple. I want you to be willing to talk back to your brain. Remember, I like to call that naysaying voice in my mind Persephone, and I love to tell her that everything is going to work out. Sometimes we take a really deep cleansing breath together, and I remind her that I can absolutely accomplish the things that I have set my mind to, and that I, ready for this, have exactly enough time. I want you to simplify, not by being more general, but by being more specific about exactly what it is you want to accomplish. And I want you to set aside time for you on your calendar. I want you to block it out and guard it as you would any other appointment. Those two things will make a huge difference in your life, I promise. And the other thing I promise is that at the end of the day, surveys don't matter. It doesn't matter what everyone else thinks or says or does. It doesn't matter that your responses are the same as other people or that they come up in the top 20% of other responses. I know you know this, but what matters is that what you think or feel or say and do aligns not with survey results, but with the results that you want for your life. And you get to start over and make adjustments anytime you need to. Here's the other fun fact about Richard Dawson and kissing contestants. He actually met his second wife on the show. She was a contestant. And after they married and had a little girl, he stopped kissing the women. Why? Because he told his daughter who would be watching, the only girl I kiss is mom. Okay, you are amazing. Thanks for listening. Put down this podcast and go schedule some time for yourself. Just promise me you'll come back next week for another episode of Exactly Enough Time.